Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. What is up, my friend? Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. My name is Grant Baldwin. Good to have you here with us today. Hope life is treating you good. Hope whatever you're up to, you're having a nice, lovely day. Appreciate you joining us and uh, hanging out with us today. Hey, one thing I wanted to remind you of right out of the gate here is if you haven't already, definitely stop by this new PDF training guide that we put together. It's totally free. Basically, what I did is I talked to a bunch of speaker friends, some of the top speakers in the industry and the business. These are speakers that get paid a ridiculous amount of money to travel and run their mouths. These are amazing, amazing presenters and speakers. And so I just asked them, hey, what are your best speaking tips and strategies, secrets, tactics? What happens behind the curtain before you go out on stage? What is it that, that people need to know that will make them a better speaker? And so we took all those, we compiled those together. We talked to people like Michael Port, who we interviewed in episode seven, you can go back and listen to. Talked to people like Chris Brogan, Dan Miller, Pat Flynn, Jonathan Fields, John Lee Dumas, John Jantz, John Acuff. That's a lot of Johns. Jonathan, John, John, John there. So uh, lots of people that we talked to. Again, some of the top speakers in the industry, in the business, talk to them to get their speaking strategies and tips. And we put all that together in a totally free PDF. You can download that over at topspeakertips.com. Again, that is topspeakertips.com. Also, if you'd like, go back a couple episodes. This is episode 15. You can go back to episode 13, where I walk through all of the tips that were included in that PDF guide. I'm going to give you some additional feedback, so you can definitely go back, listen to that as well. But again, go download that. Do not pass go. Topspeakertips.com. You're not going to want to miss out. All right, let's get into today's episode. Today, we're talking to my buddy, Chris Ducker. Chris is a uh, good dude. He's got a fun accent, so you, you like this. He's a Brit, and he's, he's a little sassy, so we caught him on, on a good day here. But uh, with Chris, we talk about a couple different things, talk about his journey, about how he got into speaking. He actually, he kind of got started speaking almost by accident. And it's a great story of how he got going. We talk about how speaking has evolved in his business model. And also, Chris puts on his own event every year. And so we talk about what he has learned, kind of hosting his own event, how he involves speakers. So lots of great stuff here. So you're in for a treat, my friend. So before we turn it over to Chris, as a reminder, you can check out show notes, links, everything we discussed over at thespeakerlab.com definitely check that out. And again, like I said, go check out topspeakertips.com. So, all right, let's get into it. Here we go. My chit chat with my buddy, Chris Ducker. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to another episode of The Speaker Lab. I'm joined today by my brother from another mother, Dr. Chris Ducker. How are you, man? Doctor? Where I just did thought you get I, the doctor I don't know. From? I don't know. You know, sometimes things just come out and you just, you just gotta roll with it. You as, gotta roll with it. Like, you as speakers, you say things and then, like, you ever had, like, one of those out of body experiences as a speaker? Like, you say something, you're like, what the heck was yeah. that? Oh, yeah. But the, the audience liked it. They didn't like it. The show must go on. You just keep Dude, just every keep single time I'm on it. stage, every <laughs> single time I'm on stage, that happens. Every How are you doing, time. man? 
I'm good, brother. I'm good. It's, it's been a, a blistering start to 2016. And, you know, I always go hard for a couple of weeks in the new year. I physically force myself to go hard schedule-wise. I work a little more than I usually do. I, I really get back into it because I switch completely off from basically – usually around December 20, right through to the end of the month. So I have almost a couple of weeks off. And so I try and – I'm not one of those people that can ease back into things. i got to work hard to right. get kind of back into the groove. And then – but now, you know, at the time of recording, we're in the middle of January. I'm sort of starting to already slow down a little bit, start get back into more of the groove and uh, sort of pull back, so to speak. But it's been great, man. I, you know, beginning of a new year, great things happening uh, towards the end of last year, which are just sort of continuing to roll forward. I'm, I'm a very, very happy camper right now. It's always a good sign when you're been off a couple of weeks, or you kind of wind down a year, but then gearing up for the new year, you're like, you just can't wait to get back to it. And you're looking forward yeah. to your work. You enjoy what you do. And speaking is one of those things that, you know, there's a, there's a definitely a work element to it, but I think you and I enjoy it because speaking is just really, really fun. Like there's nothing that, that really compares to being on a stage in front of an audience and you just feel like you've got them and you know, like you've got this punchline coming up or you've got the story you're getting yes. ready to tell and you know, you are just taking them yes. on this journey. And then speaking is just like, just a, a, this roller coaster high for the speaker as much as it is for the audience as well. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more with you, man. I still get just as uh, pumped up and, you know, a combination of being pumped up and nervous, uh, you know, before every single gig I do, the nerves don't get to me anymore. It's a good thing that I get a little nervous because it shows that I care about what I'm doing and who I'm doing it for. But I don't let them get to me anymore. Whereas before, you know, seven, eight years ago when I started my my quote unquote speaking career, um, I, uh, you know, I did get nervous. And, it, you know, I, I noticed, you know, looking back on, on old gigs and some old video footage and stuff, you know, the first four five minutes of a lot of my gigs sucked awfully because of the fact that I was genuinely nervous. And, you know, I had to work on that. It comes with experience and confidence and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But nowadays, I just, I'm ready to go. Like you've seen me moonwalk on the stage before. <laughs> and it's a beautiful thing. Once you see, <laughs> it, it, once you see it, you can't unsee it. <laughs> so, so do you find, because that's, a, that's yes. a question I get from a lot of people is uh. not about the moonwalking, the nerves. That people always ask, do you still get nervous? You know, so you and I, we've presented both, you mm. know, literally hundreds of, of times before. Do you talk a little bit more about that in terms of you said you, you used to get really, really nervous and it would kind of jack up the first few minutes of your presentation. Then now you still get nervous, but it doesn't affect you. How has that kind of evolved over time? Well, you know what it was actually? Because I, I, I became acutely aware that I was very, very nervous before I went on stage. My palms would get really sweaty. My mouth would dry up on me. You know, you get the stomach churns and all that sort of stuff. And then it's like, it's time to go on stage. And it's kind of, you have to get started. You've got to get going. And I would screw up intro. I could practice an intro 50 times and I'd screw it up because of nerves. And so I can't remember exactly who gave me this tip, but somebody said, before you go on, just listen to some music. Listen to something to pump you the hell up. And I got out my, and this is, this is how long ago it was, I got out my iPod, right? Remember those things? I got out my, <laughs> I got out my iPod and I remember flipping through to the Rocky Four soundtrack. Uh, Rocky Four is the, oh. the best one, number four. Oh. oh my God, what a soundtrack. <laughs> and I just remember the song. I just selected any song I could grab my hands on. It was Burning Heart. 
Yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know, in a burning heart, just about to burn. And I was like, I'm pumped up. And literally, the moment I took my headsets off, it was like 60 seconds before I was being introed. I hit the stage, and I didn't feel overly nervous. And I think maybe it was because I just took my mind off it, and I just got into things. And ever since then, before I get on stage, mostly now it's normally in my hotel room. Before I go down to the conference area, I listen to that one song. That's my song. That's my pre-gig song. So there's there you so go. Many, there's so many speakers I've talked to who do, like, in terms of they've got their one song, and that's the yes. song they use to get them to pumped up, jacked yeah. up in the hotel room or backstage or, or whatever it may be. <laughs> I've also I would love to be a fly on a wall for some speakers listening to their songs, like, in their rooms, because I know what I do. <laughs> I used to do a lot of, of high school assemblies, and so I used to listen to Eminem's Lose Yourself. Remember oh, that one? Yeah. And right. so I would just, I knew every lyric. And so I would sit in my car in the parking lot of like a high school or a college or something. And I'm just rocking out to that song, you know? So then yeah. you walk in and you're just like, I just own this right now. Just get out of yeah. my, give me the microphone. And like, I just feel like yeah. you're just like this whole other person walking into the, this experience. But one thing that I've also noticed about just like helping calm those nerves is, is nerves like you, and I think you said it eloquently there, like nerves remind you that what you're doing matters and that you care. Yeah. If you didn't get nervous, yeah. then you just go, ah, I don't really care how it goes. But when you know, like, no, no, like this matters, what I'm getting ready to do, what I'm getting ready to say can really make a difference. It can make an impact in the lives of people. And so it, it causes those. So don't shy back from that. That's, that's a good thing that you're, you're still feeling that whenever you get ready to, to speak. Agree. hundred percent. So let's talk a little bit about this. I'm curious about how you have kind of got in, how you got into speaking, how you got started. Give us kind of your story and journey into speaking and how you've kind of built that side of your business. Well, I mean, many years ago, many, many years ago when I was still living in the UK, um, I mean, we're talking, what am I now, 42? We're talking like... like whoa, 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 how old are you? I'm 42 now. Okay, all right. Well, what, what, what is it? Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, whoa. Hey, no, hey, hey. Whoa. hey, how we doing over here? Hey, what, hey, hey. You look, look good for 42. You know. All right, forget about <laughs> it. I'll let that one slide. <laughs> I'll let it slide. But no, so, I, yeah, we're talking mid-20s. I was publishing a fanzine for Hong Kong movie enthusiasts in the UK. And I was actually in the publishing business myself for my day job, but this is kind of my first kind of real kind of entrepreneurial thing. So I'm publishing this mag- this little fanzine, not even a magazine thing. And I take a trip over to Hong Kong and I just start knocking on doors and I meet these Hong Kong film stars, right? A lot of them you wouldn't even know. Most people wouldn't even have heard of them. And it took two or three trips to Hong Kong before I really started to get the opportunity to hang out with guys like Jet Li, Jackie Chan, people like this, right? But I worked hard and I, I knocked on doors and I did interviews with them, this, that, and the other, and all those. And then I had this crazy idea in about 96, I think it was, uh, 96, 97, where I said, you know what? I'm going to bring a Hong Kong film star to England and do an event and bring them over. And what happened was they got their flights mixed up and they basically arrived like six hours or eight, even eight or nine hours later than they should have. And the event was already going on. And there were people, there was like 250 people there in Chinatown and London. And they were all waiting for this guy to come on stage his name was uh, English name is Anthony Wong. Chinese name is Wong Chao Sung, and he's very very famous. He's like the Dennis Hopper of Hong Kong. This guy, oh. and so we fly him in, but he's late. 
And I'm thinking, what the hell am I going to do? And I get up on stage and for literally, I kid you not, an hour and a half, I talk about Hong Kong cinema and why I became a fan and what it means to the Western world and how it influences Hollywood productions and this and blah, blah. I mean, and it was like an hour and a half. And I'm not exaggerating just to keep them there and keep them happy. And that was the first time I ever really spoke at, for longer than a, a minute or two in front of a crowd. And I absolutely loved it. I ate it up. And then I started doing, you know, a certain amount of seminars. I was doing um, workshops uh, within the sales industry, the marketing industry back in the UK for the publishing business I was working on. And then here, I, you know, I come over to the Philippines in 2000. I'm doing live trainings in front of, I think, the biggest crowd I've ever spoken in front of here in the Philippines with almost 1,200 people where I'm teaching them how to be a better telesalesperson um, and all this sort of stuff. So it, it really sort of, it began very kind of serendipitously to a certain degree, but it only really took off once I got active online starting in 2010. Once I started blogging, once I started podcasting, and I got invited to speak the first real kind of conference, so to speak, in the United States that I spoke at was New Media Europe, which at the time was still called Blog World mm-hmm. in 2010 and off to the races from there on. And yeah, now I've got, I've been very blessed to get some amazingly good gigs at great events and uh, I thoroughly enjoy it. I want to talk about that first event that you hosted in London. The uh, Hong Kong film star has some flight issues, can't make it. Mm. You step up, you speak for 90 minutes. 90 minutes is a long time to yes. be on stage and to keep an audience. I'm guessing, though, like you weren't planning on them not showing up. So had you prepared anything at all? You'd never really done any public speaking before. So how did you know what to talk about? How did you know how to fill that that first experience? Well, you know, bear, bear in mind that, you know, I'm a, at the time I was a massive Hong Kong film fan. I don't watch so many of them now. But, you know, in my teens, I discovered Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan and fell in love with Kung Fu and started training and all that sort of stuff. So I, you know, I was a big fan. And ultimately, that's what I was. I was one of them on stage right and so i knew the terminology i knew what movies to talk about and we even went through (laughs) went through like jackie chan's worst injuries where we talked about him cracking open his skull and all these other sort of and so i was making people laugh and and uh, throwing little tidbits of trivia and you know the fact that jackie couldn't get insurance for his movies anymore so he just built his own insurance company and and all this sort of stuff was just funny to these people and i just somehow i just I kept them engaged. And I guess, you know, I've been blessed with a little bit to have the gift of the gab and to not, you know, worry about being around people that I didn't know very well. I mean, I was a sales guy since I was 17. So I got used to pitching the people that had never heard from me or didn't want to buy what I was selling. So it was a relatively easy situation for me. But no, there was nothing prepared. I just kept it going until I got the thumbs up at the back of the auditorium that the guy was actually in the building. Well, and I think, Part of what uh, makes that a great story is part, and part of what makes a great speaker is people that talk about things that they're really, really into. People that are really, really passionate about those subjects and topics. And it's it's not they're just they're not regurgitating from a script or something, but they feel like you almost feel like they're just really speaking from the heart there. But you have to really be interested and love the subject or the topic that you're speaking about to be able to do that. So you know, you and I, we use. Today, whenever we go speak and we present a workshop or a keynote or whatever it may be, we spend a lot of time like polishing that and refining that and practicing it and rehearsing it, going over it. 
But if you were to ask us to speak for, you know, 30, 45, 60, 90 minutes on something uh, that we're really passionate about, most people would probably be surprised that they might be able to do that. You know, if you were to ask both of us, we are big family guys. We love, love our wives, love our kids. And so we could spend a lot of time talking about that without using notes, without having to prepare because it's something that's almost embedded within us rather than like, if you were to say, Hey Grant, tell me about your kids. Tell me about your wife. If I was like, well, I'd love to, but I, I don't have my slides or I don't have my notes. And so I, I, I can't really, I don't have anything to tell you. <laughs> like that's not the case because I, I want what I'm talking about to be something that I've actually feel like I'm, I'm living as well. Sure, exactly. I couldn't agree more with you. And I think, you know, that emotion, that passion, that enthusiasm, that excitement, it all comes through in your presentation. And I mean, even if you don't have the opportunity to do a lot of prep work, as long as you know what you're talking about and, you know, you get your stuff together in terms of just, you know, turning up at least, you know, looking good and, and feeling good, even if you haven't had hours and hours and hours to practice, as long as you know what you're talking about, you know, nine times out of 10, nine times out of 10, nobody in the audience is going to know what you're going to deliver. And because of that, you can sometimes almost blag your way through it to a certain degree if that enthusiasm is there and if, uh, you know, you get the opportunity to be able to shine a little bit. And I think that, you know, some conferences are a little bit stricter when it comes to things like that, the one presentations, you know, delivered in advance and that sort of stuff. But me personally, you know, I've, I've tried everything, man. You know, I'm a big, big experimenter when it comes to everything that I do business-wise, including public speaking. I've done everything from putting together slide decks at the last minute. You know, somebody once told me, if you wait to the last minute, it only takes a minute. <laughs> worst bit of excuse, I've, uh, worst bit of advice I've ever had in my life. You know, the excuse is I'm too busy before an event, right? Traveling, yada, yada, yada. So I tried that, sucked, horrible, never do it again. You know, someone once said to me, oh, you know, if you're nervous, have a couple of shots of whiskey before you get on stage. It'll loosen you up a little bit. So I try that. And then I realize 20 minutes in my presentation, I'm tipsy and my face, I can feel my face is red. And I'm thinking, oh God, you know, not a good idea to have whiskey at 9.30 in the morning on an empty stomach. You know what I mean? All these sort of things. I've tried it all, man. I've tried it all. But I can tell you something right now. I am now into the mindset of you have got to run through your presentation tons of times before you get on stage because when you speak at the level that you and I now speak at it's very rare that you're doing a breakout or a concurrent session you're nine times out of ten you're on the main stage you're a keynote speaker and you can't suck you can't bomb you're getting paid people are expecting you to deliver and it is what it is but I also like the one of the points that you made earlier that most of the audience doesn't know where you're going with the talk. You know, this is yes. speaking is very, very different than, let's say, singing a song. If you're singing a song that everybody knows the lyrics to, everybody knows if you mess up. Whereas, whenever it comes to speaking, if in your mind, like you've kind of gone over your notes or your outline and you get the points out of order or you forget a point or you misread something or said something, nobody knows but you. That's okay. And so I think sometimes even as a speaker, like just getting out of your own head, like we've kind of talked about so far, of just being fully present and in the moment helps you to realize like, hey, it's okay if I say something wrong or if I mess up or if I did those points out of order or if I skipped a step or whatever it may be, and I can continue to provide a, a great top-notch presentation. Now, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm curious for you. So you mentioned, so you, you have that experience in London. You fill 90 minutes there. And then you also said you started doing some more like workshops and sales training. 
like what kind of stuff were you doing there? How did you get those events and bookings? Well, a lot of those were, you know, when I first started, it was community college stuff. It was the community center. It was, I, I remember I did a gig. God, I was probably 20, I'm going to say 26, 27 years. Maybe actually no, a little bit older than that. What am I talking about? Maybe 29, 30. I did a gig at the local library, which was really well attended. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sounds glamorous. <laughs> yeah. For any of the kids tuning in, libraries are these buildings with shelves and books on them. You can go in and borrow them. <laughs> I, uh, okay. I got to tell you this real quick. This is, this is a totally true story. When right. Netflix first started and they would, instead of not streaming, but they did that, you know, the DVDs and the little red cases that they yes, would mail yes, out. Yes, 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 yes. So we had first subscribed to that and it was like this mind boggling experience. And, you know, you would, you know, enter in the uh, DVD and then it would show up at your house a couple days later. And so I remember telling my wife, I was like, this would be amazing if there was a service like this for books. That would be so cool. And she goes, it, they have it. It's called a library. It's like, <laughs> oh, that's true. They do have those things. So right. All right, carry on. That's my funny. bad. No, that's funny. So yes, yeah, so, I mean, you know, I, you know, you do the gigs. I mean, you just do. I mean, I, I also remember um, getting booked because the, the publishing company that I worked at in London was uh, a group. It was a group of offices around the UK. And, you know, I was a good sales guy for them. I would bring in good display advertising commission for myself and sell a load of ads for them and that sort of type of thing. So I would regularly travel from London up to other areas in the UK like Birmingham or Manchester when I went all the way up to Glasgow in Scotland one time and would train the other we train the other offices within the group of companies how to, uh, you know, how to open a sales call properly or how to handle objections or, you know, how to button up a sale properly after the close and all these sort of types of things. So it was very much how to, how to, how to in my first days as a speaker. But then as things, like I said, as, as things have, have evolved and, you know, there was a time where I did very little speaking at all. But once I get online, and I start talking about things like virtual assistants and productivity and being a virtual CEO and lifestyle design and personal branding and all that stuff. That's really where all the real fun of public speaking has come my way. How, do you, how did everything change when you started getting online? And why do you think it changed so much by doing that, by getting online, that you begin to get more bookings? Well, I mean, I'll say like I never really got paid for any of those bookings up to that point. It was always just part of the job or it was me just wanting to do it for experience or whatever it was. And even when I got active online, man, I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't out to become a speaker or to get speaking gigs. It just happened as a direct result of providing value on a consistent basis to my blog and my podcast listeners. It was as simple as that. And then you get the gig and then you present. And I remember my first ever speaking gig. I had Darren Rouse in the audience from ProBlogger, mm -hmm. who is an incredible public speaker himself, who says he's an introvert, but he's the most extroverted introvert I've ever met in my life, uh, particularly when he's on stage. He's amazing. His timing, man, with the slides. Oh, my God. I'd love to have that skill. He's incredible. And so I have him on one side of the room. And then on the other side, I look over and there's Leah Babauta from Zen Habits yeah. sitting in it. This is my first gig in this world. And I'm like, oh my God, I got these two big dogs in the room sort of checking me out here. And then right in the middle at the back of the room with our camera was my gorgeous wife. 
So I must have had probably 100 people in that room for my first gig in the online business space. And I honestly stared at her almost the entire time because I was so freaked out about the whole situation. But um, yeah, you know, it's really I, I think what it honestly has enabled me to do is you find a voice, don't you? You know, through blogging and podcasting, you find the voice, you find your groove. And then when people see that groove, they want a piece of it. Well, I'm curious because whenever you mentioned you first got online and you first started kind of blogging and talking about a couple of different topics, you mentioned a bunch of different topics there of hiring virtual staff and productivity yeah. and blogging and all these various types of topics. And I think that's a challenge for a lot of speakers in the beginning of going, well, how do I narrow down what I want to speak on? Because there's 19 different things that I'd like to talk about and things that I feel like I'm at least somewhat knowledgeable on. So how did you kind of narrow down what you wanted to speak about? I think, you know, really the first couple of years, it was really about, I guess, delivering what people expected to get from me, which was ultimately productivity surrounding virtual staffing. Once Virtual Freedom came out in early 2014, I made a pretty solid decision that I was going to start moving away from that being my sole focus in terms of content because, you know, I really felt like I wrote a book that answers all the questions, quite frankly. There wasn't anything else left in me. And it's one of the reasons why the book is so darn well is because it really has answered all the questions that people have when it comes to finding, hiring, training, and working with virtual teams to build their business. Plain, simple. Mission accomplished. So now, since sort of that time going forward, I've really zoomed in. I, my focus has been pretty much since late 2014 has been to help people that want to build businesses based around their personal brand, their expertise, their vibe, what they stand for, and who they're serving to go ahead and build those businesses in a smart fashion, a productive fashion, but also one with long-term in mind and a profitability factor built in from day one. And so that's what I want to do. That was the onus behind Youpreneur when we launched it and continues to be like that. And I just, I feel a renewed vigor for not just speaking, but just content creation in general because of the fact that I'm really truly focusing on the type of content that I feel I deliver in an extremely digestible, highly actionable way that I know people will appreciate. And every single day, I get a tweet or an email or a Snapchat message or something from someone telling me that, you know, I'm genuinely helping them do exactly what I'm going out to attempt to do. And that's all the pat on the back you need, you know? And I think there's two things there that you said that I really liked. One is that in terms of just kind of narrowing down and figuring out your topic and your subject and what it is that you want to speak about, one is that uh, some of it, it takes time. You know, it's not like you come out your first talk and you just nail it and that's the thing that you're going to be speaking about forever and ever sure. and ever. Yeah. It's kind of this evolving process. The other thing that you kind of said there is that you may establish kind of what it is that you want to speak about and talk about and you kind of hone that in, but it's also okay over time to pivot that. So for a while, you were doing 
the bulk you're speaking on virtual staff finding and hiring assistants and and that type of world. And then you you know you have the book come out, you speak about that, and then you make the conscious decision of, hey, I don't necessarily want to continue speaking about that, and that's okay. I can dictate and determine that now I would like to shift a little bit and pivot this direction and speak more on the youpreneur subject and the personal branding subject. But you get to decide a bit of that and determine a bit of that rather than feeling like, well, you know, I wrote the book about hiring virtual staff. Therefore, I have to speak about that forever. So I like kind of how you arrived at that and how that, how you've pivoted on that in your speaking journey. Yeah. No, I mean, and I'm, I'm a happier speaker because of it. I, and generally, you know, I get the opportunity to speak at the right kind of events with the right kind of crowds now, which I know you're a big fan of yourself. Right. Let's shift gears for a second, because I think one of the unique perspectives you bring to the table is not only are you a speaker, but you also are an event planner, and therefore you're a decision maker who hires speakers. So you yes. host host in the spring at the Tropical Think Tank, an event in that you host out in the uh, the Philippines, which I've heard is this amazing, amazing top-notch event. So real quick, give us like the 30-second overview of the event, then let's talk about the speaking side of it. Yeah, I mean, the event is, it's a five-day event. So it's not your typical kind of two-day type conference. It's a five-day event. We set it at a five-star resort on the beautiful island of Mactan here in Cebu. It's got some of the most beautiful corals in the world. And just the hospitality of the Filipinos is known worldwide anyway. But when you put that together with gorgeous or you know ocean, amazing cocktails and a five-star environment, you're already setting yourself up for a very good time anyway. But we then go ahead and we do three conference days and uh, in the middle of two kind of relaxation, chill out days. So we start with relaxing, then we work hard for three days and then we chill and relax and wrap up with an amazing white party where everybody dresses in white. This is our infamous white party now. But yeah, the three days during the, during the, uh, you know, in the middle of things, they're basically three keynote sessions each day in the morning. Then we do a panel with those speakers from that day. Then we break for lunch and then we do a mastermind session in the afternoon where everybody kind of breaks off into groups and we all work on building each other's businesses. And it is about as high powered of a mastermind that I've ever been involved with. Number one, I will say this doesn't sound cheap because it's not cheap. It's a premium ticket. There's only 50 slots available, so it goes very, very quickly. And because of that, the caliber of people that we get to come along as attendees is very, very high. Like I actually counted out of the 50 people that we had last year, we had nine millionaires there. People are making a million dollars plus each year in their businesses online. So it's a very high caliber group of people, and uh, it's easily the best thing, most fun thing, most rewarding thing that I do every single year. And we're blessed now to have that reputation that you speak of where, you know, when I reach out to speakers for one reason or another, nine times out of 10, I get a yes. And uh, that's, you know, very rewarding in itself. So let's talk about the event in terms of especially that first year as you're you've got just a concept, an idea for an event mm. and you're beginning to look for speakers. How has what's that process like for you as you look to hire a speaker for that event? What are you looking for? What are the like make or break things that you want a speaker to have or not have or uh, kind of walk us through that process. So if, if I'm out there and I would love to get hired to speak at an event like yours, what like what would someone need to do to just even get on the radar there? 
Well, the first year was kind of funny because it all that the entire concept came about because I was in the United States on one one of my many trips over there each year, and I was hanging out with I mean literally we're all sitting around one table having cocktails one evening. It was me, Caleb Wojcik, Amy Porterfield, Pat Flynn, John Lee Dumas, Greg Hickman. And a couple of other people as well. And so I turn around and say, you guys need to come out to the Philippines. Like, I come to the U.S. to visit you guys and I hang out all the time. None of you, not one. I'm tired of come. coming over here. Yeah. You guys need to come to my right. sandbox. You guys got to do the 19-hour flight. You know what I mean? Like, you need to get your ass over here. And so I think it was Amy Porterfield said, I'll come to the Philippines. Now, warranted there was a little bit of alcohol involved in that evening. But the next day I followed up and uh, they all basically said, dude, if you put something on, we'll come over. So I didn't wait around very long at all. It was, I think it took me literally two, three weeks after I'd been back home after that trip where I'd announced it. They were up on the landing page and we sold the tickets out in 27 hours. Wow. It was incredible. Um, so we had all these big players coming over. I mean, it was incredible. So nowadays, though, things are different, obviously. And, uh, you know, we have, based off of surveys that we do with our attendees, we know what they want, what they don't want, what's going to work, what's not going to work. And so the first thing, I can tell you something right now, the first thing that I look at when I'm looking to book a speaker for Tropical Think Tank is the relationship that I have with that speaker. That for me is the single most important thing because I know if I have that right kind of relationship with them, they will not let me down. They are going to bring the goods and they are going to drop value bombs all over my attendees, not only when they're on stage, but also when they're off stage because this is a very small intimate group of people that are fundamentally hanging out with each other for an entire week in the tropical islands of the Philippines. It's a very, very unique situation. It doesn't happen anywhere else. And because of that, I need to bring people that not only can do well on stage and know what they're talking about and provide a great presentation when they're on the stage, but I also need them to shine in the mastermind sessions with our attendees, and I also need them to shine at dinner when we're hanging out on the beach, having cocktails, a happy hour, and all those other things as well. So there's quite a few elements that go into it, but number one physically, without a shadow of a doubt, is the relationship that I have with that speaker. And I love that because that's one of the things we talk a lot about is that, again, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And this is a relationship business. And so the reality, though, is that relationships take time. You know, all those people that you invited that first year or any subsequent year aren't people that you just met one time or you exchange an email with. A lot of times, these are people that you've met in person, that you've built some type of rapport or connection with. Uh, and I found that a lot of decision makers, uh, depending on the context and depending on the environment, that a lot of them, again, they hire people that they are they know and, and another thing that I like that you said there is that it's more than just what they provide on stage, but just as much as who they are and what they provide off stage. Meaning, if you had someone that you were able to bring in and they were a phenomenal speaker, the best speaker that you've ever had, but they didn't interact with your guests, they just spent the entire conference holed up in their room, they weren't participating in anything else, that's not the kind of person that you would want to have. And so even though those factors may not have necessarily anything to do with what happens in terms of their presentation on stage, it still affects whether or not you would hire them or whether or not you would, you would bring them in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we've had, unfortunately, one speaker before in the past. I'm not going to say who or what year 
pretty much did that. And it left a very, very sour taste in my mouth. You know, I was very surprised and I'm very, very upset by the whole situation. Hasten to say we're not very close friends anymore because of it. Yeah. Okay. So as you continue to go into future years, beyond the relationship piece, what are other things that you look for when considering to hire a speaker? Well, you know, people are now, you know, we get on average around about 25 to 30% of people each year return. So, you know, there's a little bit of turnover there, obviously, with that percentage. But ultimately, around 30% of the people will return year in, year out. And so people expect, you know, they're getting greedy. <laughs> you know, they're, they're starting, they expect the goods, man, you know, when it comes to content. And so, we're, you know, we're not just looking at them providing a good talk and then hanging out and being a nice person to hang out with and things like that. But we're looking for real experts, real experts in their industries in their niches nowadays so you know and we survey after the event you know we find out which you know speakers they like the most why what topics they like the most what topics they wish we covered but we didn't uh, and so we get ideas we get ideas from our attendees straight after the event in terms of exactly what we could you know potentially do next year. And obviously, I follow the trends in terms of what's moving and shaking. And I want to make sure that I keep people up to date with that side of things as well. So, you know, we're really looking now towards people who are not only good friends, but are genuine experts in their fields. Like, if I want to, you know, bring somebody on to teach our attendees how to run incredibly strong Facebook campaigns, for example, I got to call Amy Porterfield. You know what I mean? If I'm looking for somebody who's going to teach me or teach my attendees how to just crush affiliate marketing, Pat Flynn has got to be called up. You know what I'm saying? So generally, it's it's not just a, a relationship thing solely. It is the most important part for me as the event organizer for all the reasons I've already discussed. But it is about being a genuine expert and obviously somebody who's spent a certain amount of time on stage as well. Because when you've only got three speakers a day – and it's a one-track conference, meaning everybody's sitting in front of the same stage, attendee-wise, and every speaker presents and delivers their speech from the same stage to the same audience. When you've only got three speeches a day and only nine over the period of an entire week, you've got to bring the goods. So you need people who genuinely can present well as well. I like it. All right, let's wrap up with this. One of the things I always like to ask, speakers who come on the show here is tell us about a time as a speaker uh, from the speaker's perspective when you just bombed when something did oh, not go God. well the 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 <laughs> The title we like to call this is It Couldn't Be Worse Than This. So I didn't even prep you on this. I didn't give you a heads up on this. I'm you did like, not. I'm buying I hate time you right now. To, uh, because like every speaker, we have those moments where you, know, where you just get off the stage and you're just like, oh, dear God, I cannot believe that that just happened. So tell us about a time, Chris Ducker, Dr. Chris Ducker, of uh, a time when it couldn't be worse than this. Well, I was at an event in Philadelphia probably about four years ago uh, presenting there and it was a relatively small audience for, for my particular presentation, maybe 150 or so people. And I had forgotten – this is a bit of a cliche, but I had forgotten to zip myself up. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, deadly. And, and luckily, they only had a very slight 
you know, it wasn't like I was on a big stage and sort of looking down on everyone. They had like a like a eight inch kind of platform that I was presenting in, and I presented an entire forty five minute presentation with my fly down. Uh, but that's not that's just the beginning. About halfway through the presentation, my mic dies completely. So I now have to, and there's no PA guy in the room because I'm a nobody speaker, right? I'm not a big speaker at this point. And so I then, I basically take my mic off and I wrap it around the receiver that's in my back pocket and slam it on the side there. So now not only am I standing there with my fly open, but I've got at least another 20 minutes of my presentation left. and I'm now having to shout my presentation instead of actually speak. And I just became increasingly uncomfortable. My throat started drying up like mad. I was drinking water like my life depended on it. And it was just – it was probably one of the most awkward situations I've ever encountered in my life. And it got even more awkward where this older lady came up to me at the end of the presentation and she said to me, I really enjoyed your jokes and your accent is very, very nice, but just a little bit of advice. And I said, uh, okay, all right, what, what is it? And she goes, you probably want to avoid going to the toilet right before you get on stage next time. <laughs> and I looked down, I was like, oh, you gotta be kidding me so i mean maybe not a horrible bomb story but something i can tell you something right now i don't do the whole toilet before getting on stage thing anymore that doesn't happen anymore so you know it is what it is you live and learn don't you i don't think i've ever as far as i know i don't think i've ever had one where i've it's been down but i always find myself like sometimes like in your in your mind you're having like your own mental conversation partway through and you start going is it is it down right now? Oh, no. There, and you, and you and have then, to sort of – you walk across the stage and glance yeah, down very like you, casually or something, and right? there's no way to like reach over and check. You know, you almost need like a lectern or something or podium you can go just stand behind just for yes. just for a quick second. Pay no attention here, people. Yes. So yes. that's awesome, dude. Yeah. Hey, where can we find out more about you if we want to check out what you're up to and the Youpreneur stuff? Where can we go? Well, I'm all about chrisducker.com. That's my home, my hub, my own little stomping ground on the internet. So you can just go to chrisducker.com. Everything's linked up there. Awesome, brother. Well, we'll be sure and uh, link up to that. So thanks for taking the time to uh, chit-chat. Looking forward to hanging out with you here in the uh, the States. And one of these days, we'll get out to the Philippines and we'll hang out out there, my friend. You got it, my man. Thanks for having me on. It was all a pleasure. All right. There you go, my friends. Hope you enjoyed that chit-chat chatteroo with uh, Chris Ducker of uh, chrisducker.com. Good dude, good speaker, just, yeah, yeah, good good times. Good, anytime I get together with Chris, we actually had recorded an interview for his show, and he'd recorded an interview for us, and uh, yet we still stayed on the phone or on Skype chatting for another hour, so we just always enjoy chatting and hanging out, so good cat there. All right, hey, as a, uh, as a reminder, two things. One, definitely stop by thespeakerlab.com. If you haven't already been over there, what are you waiting on, my friend? Get over there. Check it out. Lots of great training and tools there. Uh, also, that you can get the show notes for this episode and any episode. We're on episode 15, but we got 14 previous episodes that you can listen to. You can tune in. Every episode, we're gonna have a, we're either going to do a, an interview like this one. we got interviews with uh, Hugh Culver, uh, Brian Walter from uh, the National Speakers Association. That's from episode 12. 
uh, the one with Hugh Culver, my buddy, is in episode 10, Mike Pacchione in episode 9, Michael Port in episode 7, Clay A. Barris, a great speaker uh, in episode 5, lots of great interviews with other speakers. Also, you're going to get some teaching training from me as well as just some Q&A episodes as well, so you're going to want to be on the lookout for those. But also, don't miss the upcoming episodes. We've got some great ones coming at you where I'm going to be doing some teaching and training, teaching all about how to deal with nerves before you speak. We're going to be talking about how you practice and rehearse your talk, how to use humor in your talk as well. Uh, so we got a lot of great stuff coming at you in the next several weeks for the show. Hey, also, just a quick reminder, again, stop by topspeakertips.com. Stop by top speaker tip. That's tough to say three times fast. Topspeakertips.com. Stop by that site. And uh, there again, you can download that free PDF with some of the best speaking strategies and tips from today's top speakers. So definitely check that out again. Topspeakertips.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We will catch you next time. You're awesome.